Mediated Conversation on SAFM. 27 minutes now to 9 the time. Earlier this week, the Gauteng Premier, Panyaza Lesufi, launched a new partnership with the company Vumatel, which runs thousands of CCTV cameras around the province. The network of cameras will now be linked to some of the provincial authorities in a partnership. That means it should be possible for provincial officials to monitor events and to trace stolen cars, in some cases even to track down certain criminals using facial recognition systems. In other words, you might be able to follow someone through the system. But it appears that while the Sufi claimed it was a new system, most of the system has actually been operating for some time, several years. Meanwhile, there are arguments against this kind of camera coverage if it means we are becoming a sort of surveillance society. In China, for example, cameras are able to track people moving through major cities, which means officials are able to know where certain people are and what they are doing. So then how does the system work and how effective is it against crime? I must tell you, we did ask to speak to someone from Vuma this morning. Unfortunately, no one available for you. So then, first you'll hear from Chad Thomas from IRS Forensic Investigations around the impact that cameras have on the issue of crime. Then you'll hear from Sitimbiso Kuluse, the National Programs Coordinator, the organization Right to Know. will ask if uh, there are concerns around the fact we're becoming a surveillance state. And then TJ Masalela, who is the chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Policing Board, around the impact on communities of this kind of program. We start then with Chad Thomas from IRS Forensic Investigations. Chad, good morning and thank you for your time. Thank you so much. Good morning to you and the listeners. We've had cameras to monitor crime in South Africa for a very long time now. How effective are they? It depends how they utilize. It depends if they're effectively part of a public-private partnership. Most of the cameras that we see are in the hands of the private sector. They have what's called LPR linked to them, which is license plate recognition. Some of them have biometrics. But from a crime-fighting tool, people tend to forget the importance that a camera can have depending on how long the information is stored. And like you so rightly put in the introduction, you can follow a criminal from the time in which the crime was committed all the way provided there's a camera network in place. And with kidnappings, this is an exceptionally valuable tool. We're seeing a massive increase in kidnappings in South Africa, along with armed robberies, CITs, etc. So from a reactive investigative tool, it's exceptionally valuable. You also spoke about the fact that it could be infringing on, on human rights because of the biometric aspect of what happened in China. Well, of course, we have Section 14 of our Constitution that enshrines one's right to privacy. But Section 36, Subsection 1, of course, has a limitation on those rights. And right now, where we're facing the tsunami of crime, I really think we need to concentrate on the war that's been fought and trying to win it, rather than looking at reasons not to have such important systems installed as part of the crime-fighting mechanism. Okay, no, sure. I mean, I think... I think probably, Chad, most people listening to this will agree with you. Not everybody, but I think many will. Um, do we, okay, so if they're so effective as you say, and I, I believe that they are, I would, I would expect that there will be more convictions than we get. Why is it if you're able to actually track a stolen car or track a person, we don't get more convictions? So that's got nothing to do with the evidentiary side of this. The evidentiary side is acceptable, it's admissible, depending on the software that was used and how it was used. You even have security vehicles that are equipped with mobile CCTV cameras that link up to systems known as Sniper, Navic, and others that run live 
um, testing on registration plates to see if they come up as positive, in other words, positively sought for being stolen or involved in a crime. The problem comes down to not having enough detectives to be able to make a solid case and not having enough prosecutors or courtroom days or presiding officers. We have this perfect storm at the moment where we short about 8,000 detectives within the South African police services and we only have half the required amount of Hawks members working. So it's all fair and well that the evidentiary um, um, part of the investigation is concluded, but getting that matter enrolled, getting the arrest to take place, you're sitting with members that don't have infrastructure or resources to go out and to, to follow the leads that they were able to obtain a result of, of that camera footage. For example, they pull a vehicle over, the vehicle came up as positive, they find evidence in the vehicle as well of another crime that's been committed, and they expect it to run on that case immediately. They can't, they don't have the infrastructure, they don't have the network. They also need to have a prosecutor that has the appetite. As much as investigators are sitting with um, far too many dockets, so are the prosecutors. Do we find that areas with cameras have less crime than places that don't have cameras? Is there any, I don't know if anyone's done research on that, but it would seem to be very useful. Look, in South Africa, we know that the majority of crime occurs in the traditional township environments, the informal settlement environments, and in parts of the CBD um, of various cities throughout the country that have gone into a state of disrepair. People that can afford to have companies that link up to these cameras can afford to have less crime. Areas that don't have cameras will experience more crime. It's, it's target hardening. Having cameras is target hardening because criminals will know that proactively they're being monitored and reactively, should they have committed a crime, there may be camera footage that can be used as evidence against them. So they'd rather go to an area where there aren't cameras. Um, would more cameras, I mean, if it were possible to put cameras everywhere, and in a sense there are cameras everywhere because of cell phones, but I'm going to put that to one side for a moment. If we had cameras almost everywhere, would that make a big difference? I really think it would. We've seen it um, all the way back to 1993, 1994. They started what was called the Central Johannesburg Partnership. When the, the, the inner city started to fall into disrepair, they introduced this. It was all the property owners of Johannesburg, they introduced the CJP, and it had limited success for a while. But with the influx of urbanization, people moving in from the rural areas, etc., a lot of those companies, those property-owning businesses, decided to move north, move into the Santon areas, move into the Rosebank areas, and sadly, that system fell by the wayside. But we already saw as far back as 30 years ago how um, the, the, the systems itself, how, how cameras could really, really assist both proactively and reactively. Um, I would imagine that over time we're going to have more and more cameras, not less. Would that mean, do you think, that we're going to end up with less crime or crime taking different forms as a result? Definitely crime taking different forms. Um, we find that criminals are exceptionally adaptive and, and in, 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 ingenious when it comes to what they do and how they commit crimes. But that is a positive because what we're going to see is that there may be less contact crimes because we're going to see the criminals, and we have seen it happen, they're moving more online, they're moving more into scams, more into frauds, which in itself is devastating and needs its own set of resources to combat. But right now we're talking about violent crime, we're talking about muggings, armed robberies, hijackings, kidnappings. That's what camera footage can assist in either preventing or assist the authorities in arresting the perpetrators. So we are going to see criminals leaving contact crimes, 
moving more into the world of cyber. Chair Thomas, thank you from IRS Forensic Investigations. Really appreciate the time. 19 minutes to nine. Continue your mediated conversation around the surveillance cameras that we see in many, many places now. Sitembiso Kaluse is the National Program Coordinator at the organization Right to Know. Sitembiso, good morning. Thanks for your time. Hey, good morning and thanks for having us. Too. How do you feel about these cameras? Could this be the start of a sort of surveillance state? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the problem. You know, many people will say maybe we're against cameras uh, that will avoid, will also assist in crime fighting. But our biggest challenge with these cameras is not, is not only when it comes to crime fighting, but it's, it's also on, on mass surveillance and the processes that are being followed when uh, installing these operation uh, cameras. Because even if you look at, especially with the Vumakem case, if you look at back in the years, even the road uh, agents in Johannesburg, they took them to court where we, uh, was an army cast on that case. Also, they were raising concerns about these private companies because when it comes to uh, private companies, they are very little level of accountability. You know, it's not like your public bodies. So when they took them to, to court, all the courts also said there's no clear guidelines or legislative framework around how these uh, private companies when it comes to uh, these surveillance cam- cameras must operate. So for us, also that is problematic, you know, for a private company to be able to run surveillance tool without any mandate, without any public consultation, and sometimes not also, their operations are not also clear when it comes to data capturing, you know, who has access to that data. They are using artificial intelligence, you know, so all of these things are, are a concern to us. The more we have this surveillance uh, data around uh, cities, different cities, unregulated, then it becomes a program because when you look at the Vumakem website, you know, they, the Vumakem website, I think that was from Julius, the Vumakem website does not provide access to private policy or private police or manual in terms of promotion uh, of access to information. So also that is, is a requirement for a company like Vumakem who works around who work, go around and installing these surveillance cam- uh, cameras. So it, it's problematic because also uh, the, the Vumakem com- uh, uh, company, they also provide this uh, information to third party security companies. So we are not sure even those uh, third party uh, companies are being vetted, are they even adhering to uh, the Poppy Act? Because in South Africa, we need to balance whatever we do. We can fight crime, but it doesn't mean we must also infringe to uh, uh, people's rights. So those are our biggest co- co- concern. The more this goes on unregulated with very li- a very little level of accountability, the more we are moving to a surveillance. I think a lot of people feel safer when they're being watched or monitored or looked over <laughs> by cameras. Can you understand that? You feel a bit, I mean, I think particularly maybe if you're a, a woman walking through an area in the evening, you might think, oh good, there's a camera here. Yeah, people will feel, will feel safe because they only think of one side. You know, the, the, the challenge that we are having with, with, with our communities is the level of understanding that the danger that comes with surveillance and artificial uh, intelligence. So if people can understand that there is a negative side, right? We, you can be watched over, you can, be, uh, you can feel safe against crime, but also there is a backside when it comes to the surveillance ca- cameras, especially with uh, private companies that have very little uh, level of accountability when it comes to, 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 to surveillance. You know, because some of them analyze, uh, 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 they use uh, facial recognition. Mm. Some of them analyze the number plates, artificial intelligence. So you don't know where all these uh, 
information uh, goes to mm. who has access to to information can they sell it for because most of the private companies are, are profit making companies so sure. can they sell it to third party for making profits you know are, are we safe you know no there, there are some uh, instances where you find out that they've been when a crime happens mm. They've been monitoring before, okay. and these are humans. And these are human beings that are also operating these cameras. So when you have someone <clears throat> without your participation or without you knowing mm. exactly who's there, who's doing how, who's, who who is it giving it for, watching over your business, your every move, uh, when you close, when you open, all those things, you are also exposed to uh, to criminality because they can even sell this to to to, to criminals and oh. they are watching your moves. Okay. So without it being regulated and these private companies uh, have a level of accountability, then surveillance is increased in South Africa. So, I mean, so I can think of maybe two sort of silly examples that might prove your point. Um, one would be someone who's running a business um, and this person, you know, has, has meetings in public at a certain street corner or a petrol station or something. I think lots of people do that. Um, and one of their competitors just pays the security company to follow them, to know who they're doing business with, to, you know, literally could count the cash that's being handed over as part of a deal. The other would be uh, you're walking down a street, something happens, you trip over, somehow your clothes come off, it happens in a funny way. Someone then takes that video, turns it into a meme and sends it around the world, very embarrassing for you and nothing you can do about it true <laughs> true exactly there's nothing you can do you can do about it and also if you <clears throat> want to lay a complaint or you want to help uh, anyone accountable to that then it becomes difficult imagine if the road agent in, in Johannesburg they failed even after taking them into court because we don't have the I'm, I'm surprised also when the the, the uh, who, who Mr. Panyaza also contacted these companies without even looking at uh, the background. If are there any pro, any proper guidelines to them? Are they are they even doing the right things? No, but they jump into can and hmm. contract these companies without looking at the background. Are they even okay. legislated? Mm. Are there ways that we could keep the cameras, use them against crime, and stop the sort of bad practices that you're talking about? What sort of safeguards? What kind of procedure would we need to have? Okay, I think firstly the the government needs to work on a legislative framework, a guideline that will uh, that these private companies could adhere to, because also part of Poppy Act that there are certain sections that gives protection to, to protection of uh, private information. So once the government works on a legislative framework or guidelines that will guide these uh, private companies and make them accountable whatever information is is with them firstly i think that this is where we we we, we, we need to start but also <clears throat> uh, they need to be checked currently as uh, the right to know we've made a submission to the information regulator after the case that was lost by the by the road agent you have made the submission to the information regulator to also check you know uh, the code of conduct of these companies of which the government is failing to do they are not, they are not che- checking the code of conduct. If the code of conduct is there, are they even following their code of conduct? Because also these cameras will assist in preventing crimes, but are they being u- utilized in the right way? Are uh, uh, people's rights not being infringed too? So the government needs to, to work on all this to make sure that there is legislative framework that will make sure that these private companies are accountable to their guidelines, because now they are moving at a goalpost. 
there are no guidelines on how to operate or how to install these cameras where and who are you accountable to. They are just moving on a goal course. So the government needs to make sure that there are also guidelines that need to be followed by these private companies. There also should be a public consultation uh, <clears throat> processes where people will then say, you don't wake up in the morning and see a camera facing your house. You know, that is creepy. So there should be a process where people also are consulted a mandate will be given so people can also participate in these processes. And you know that in that way you can be able to hold these private companies accountable. Um, do you believe that people will actually push security companies and government to do this properly? Or do you think what's really going to happen is people are just going to be able to put up a camera wherever they want? Can you repeat that again? I didn't care. Do you think that there's going to be enough political pressure on government and security companies to manage this information in the way that you're calling for? Or do you think they're just going to be able to do whatever they want? No, I think for now they are going to do whatever whatever they want because from the government side, or oh, I don't see any political pressure at, at the moment to call for these uh, private companies to do what is right. So I think for now they'll do whatever whatever they want. Even when you see uh, politicians pattering with, with them with them without any proper processes or guidelines in place, so you'll see that there is no political pressure. So what I think is for us as public and, and, and civil society to make sure that there is pressure, uh, because also this speaks to our data, you know, this speaks to our uh, safety of our information and the safety of our movements uh, as a country. Thank you very much indeed. Sitambiso Kolose is the National Programme Coordinator at the organisation Right to Know. In a moment, TJ Masalela, Chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. Nine minutes to nine. Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation this morning around the uh, new the new, the cameras that are being extended literally around the country, it would seem, in a bit to try and fight crime. TJ Masalelo is the chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. TJ, good morning. Thanks for your time again. Good morning, Steve. Good morning to the listeners. I presume you support these cameras. Do you think they have a big impact against crime and perhaps preventing crime, not just, uh, not just dealing with it afterwards? Crime deterrent, crime uh, prevention, and uh, and obviously to kill the patterns of crimes that are being committed. You know, you then know the hot spots, and 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 obviously uh, avoid such areas. But if you have to, and then obviously the surveillance will assist in making sure. You, I, I just want to upfront tell you, Steve, that I don't understand the previous speaker, which which app or which world is actually living from, because. Legislative and legislation, you can't wake up tomorrow morning and plug a, a camera. There are processes that you must follow and apply. But we support this, like I've said before, any initiatives of fighting crime. But we're excited about the 6,000 cameras at the premier. And by the way, we have already seen some results. If you, if you attend some of these operations that are taking place, like Operation Chanel today, you find that some of, the, of, of these cameras are actually making so easy to be able to identify and create a database of criminals. So, so yes, 100% we support that and we'll continue to support that. I think Actually, most... One more cameras. No, sure, I'm going to come to that in a moment. I think most of these cameras have been existing as part of a network for quite a long time anyway, haven't they? Yeah, so yeah. so there are a lot of people... What, what the government is doing, uh, the premier specifically, is to take all the integrated uh, cameras that they put them into a provincial integrated combat center. Now, you still have, I can tell you now up front that CPF has cameras in certain areas so that can afford. A state uh, body corporate um, shopping centers, you know, 
cameras have been a part of our lives. Mm. Might not have been that we we have used them um, effectively in the fight against mm. crime, but we are starting to do that and move into that direction. Schools okay. have cameras. Sure, have sure, 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 sure. No, no, no. I hear you. Um, I am worried a little bit about, uh, I think academics call it the crime displacement effect. If it's hard to commit a crime in one place, people will go to another place. And there's been a lot of discussion about this, for example, in suburbs that uh, boom themselves off. Does the crime move somewhere else? Could this be happening with cameras, that because there are cameras in one place, there'll be more crime happening in a place that doesn't have cameras? And then you have these huge differences. Now, I understand why. I'm not saying that that's a reason not to do it. I'm just asking... Are we seeing are we seeing more crime in some places because there are cameras in other places? No, definitely. But you must remember we are a very unequal society. Um, that's why I think the premier, with the with the um, the, the approach of the teach areas, which is your township, informal settlement, and hostels and schools, um, is moving to that direction. Uh, because obviously the people in Mayasdal, the people in Tanzania will afford cameras. But also the person in Zonkivizu won't be able to afford such. But what is government doing is to make sure that these cameras are, are actually utilized where needed most. I'm not saying uh, crime chooses uh, places, but you would then agree that uh, certain areas are long well. Like I'm just making an example. We've got 145 CPFs in, the, in this province and around 10 or 15 that have their own cameras. I'm talking about cameras that they have and they maintain them. So, so, so the, uh, the whole idea now is to move into those areas in making sure that uh, you, you close the, what, the, all the, 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 the areas of concern. Remember, some of the crime actually is planned in one particular area and committed in another area. Uh, uh, you would then agree that a car stolen in Jameson will be found in Katlong, Togoza, or Fosnurast. So, so if you then have this uh, link of cameras across the, the, the neighborhoods, across the, the suburbs, you're selling a better chance uh, of recovering, but also building that database of criminals. Um, so what you would want also is the way that these need to be managed, and they need to be managed in a way that doesn't break the law. They need to also be managed in a way that they can provide evidence for prosecutors to use in a court. And are they being managed properly at the moment? I know there'll be records that will be kept. You can't keep records forever, so for some time. But do you believe that they're being managed properly? Are they being, let me put it another way, are they being managed effectively so that we can use the evidence these cameras record in court cases? That is why the, the private-public partnership comes into space and obviously uh, signing with some of the of, of the private uh, uh, businesses because we have requested and, and through SIRA that all the the, the crime-fighting uh, uh, mechanism in the, in, the, in, in the country should come together by technology or by force multiplier and so forth. The, the, I'm happy that some of the cases that are in, in front of the court include the, the what you call e-policy because the camera forms one element of the of the e-policing and we're all moving into that Steve was in china and um, in beijing to be specific almost every second pole every second building has a camera whether it's a small camera a spy camera you are you you are, you are but why would you want if you're not doing anything wrong but the the the, the papaya has and and all that that comes to place everybody has a phone that has a camera today now, we have the Propire Act that must govern uh, uh, that process. And I'm sure uh, big businesses uh, and government won't just uh, rock into a space where you don't have legislative. Yes, you might have to have new guidelines because the court, the authenticity of the feed, and uh, that must be presented in the court of law. Obviously, lawyers can, can uh, con- uh, um, contest that. 
but it doesn't mean it cannot be used. We have seen it during the Mayor's case, we are seeing some of the other cases where uh, footage is been used in, in making sure that you secure conviction. TJ Masalela, thanks very much indeed. Do appreciate it. The chair of the Gauteng Provincial Community Police Board. Now, bringing an end to your conversation, your mediated conversation this morning around the CCTV cameras, which we see almost everywhere around the country at the moment. My thanks also to Stembiso Kaluse, the workshop facilitator at the organization Right to Know. And starting us off today, Chad Thomas from IRS Forensic Investigations. You do get a sense that I think no matter where you are, uh, in the country at the moment, in middle-class areas, certainly you'll find that there are cameras in public areas at the moment. And of course, as Right to Know put it, you do need to know what is happening to that information and how that is being managed. It is a Thursday, and I suspect it'll be quite a busy news day. The president later is going to respond to the debate in Parliament around his State of the Nation address. You heard Bladen's on Monday, the minister's views on that a little earlier. I suspect there'll be more conversations to come around the Ingonyama Trust as well, and I think other issues, of course, are likely to get uh, get going as we go through the day. From Mdu, from Stanza, from Zelma, as, and my, Melissa and myself, look after yourself. Enjoy your Thursday.